You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Nala Hopkinson at SFNSF. Thank you for joining me, Nala. Thank you. Now, those stories you read today were just phenomenally wonderful. Tell us uh, uh, about the one based on the titles. Now, what was that straight title again? <laughs> it was called Snow Day. It came from um, a program that happens in Canada every year run by CBC, which is our national public radio and television called Canada Reads. And every year they pick five personalities to pick five books and then they argue over those books and decide which is the one that they're going to suggest all Canada read for that year. It's, it's like Literary Survivor. But this year they called me up and said they had their five books and they were asking me whether I would write uh, a short story that used all five titles but not as titles. And I said, well, what are the, what are the five books? And uh, the producer told me and... Um, I had two. Oh, I mean, one in particular, just kind of. <laughs> so that's what that was. Now, now that you have a really great combination of science fiction tropes with a kind of a, a more of a an outlook of the fantastic. Could you talk about how you create that uh, unique atmosphere? Um, I'm not sure how I do it, and I'm still working on it, and it's still developing. I mean, I've grown up reading both science fiction and fantasy and loving them both and not really knowing there was an argument between the two until I went to Clarion in 1995 yeah, and realized we were supposed to be divided into two camps. And I thought, well, no. Um, so uh, I've always kind of blended them and I'm not quite sure how that happens. I'm probably the worst person to ask. <laughs> The other thing I really loved about that story was it just had a wonderful sense of humor and a wonderfully generous outlook, and, and that's kind of unusual in in this in this uh, genre fiction. Yeah, I did want something that was um, somehow hopeful. I mean, I looked at the the titles of the books, some of which I had read, and it was a blistering cold um, Toronto winter, and you know, I was sitting there and at my little desk, and I thought, I need something that's going to be more more hopeful than that and that looks at I mean I have creatures oh, literally creatures great and small in, in, in the story that sort of um, for that brief moment as they decide what they're going to do um, sit next to each other so you've got you know hawks sitting next to pigeons and uh, it's not going to stay that way they're not I haven't done anything sort of um, stupidly utopian but it's a it's it's like that moment that you get um uh that kipling has at the 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 water hole where you know just for today we all need to drink you know we're not going to feed on each other and and that's very much what i want the feeling i wanted and wanted humans to be able to take part in that feeling one of the things i i, I like about your writing uh, in both these stories was you have a, a means of perceiving um culture, our culture, as if it's a, a, an, a science fiction, in a science fiction kind of mode, from a distance, you manage to distance yourself and show us how absurd, in a sense, our culture is. 
I think that's one of the strengths of both science fiction and fantasy, and I think it's something that that uh, we as um, fans of it and readers of it and writers of it sort of do naturally. I mean, I think we tend to, so many of us, be able to simultaneously stand on the outside and see ourselves as part of it. Um, and it's very, very useful to do because I think it gets people saying, oh, I know that feeling. On the other hand, I've never quite thought of it that way. Um, and it's something I work on in myself. So, yeah, it's, it's very much there. And, of course, I bring all kinds of cultural elements into science fiction and fantasy that traditionally haven't been there because I'm writing from my Caribbean background and I'm writing from, you know, my Canadian background and I pull all of that in. Um, and I'm getting, I think, more and more confident in just kind of mixing and matching it and, and without homogenizing it all into every manness. Um, still making it something where I hope as a reader you can you can connect with individual characters and what's happening to them. Could you talk about the process of writing some of your books because the the, the excerpt you read I think there's must have been quite a bit of research gone into that. Um perhaps it is a historical well it's historical alternative history fantasy and it's stuff I have been researching for a while so I actually didn't need to do much for that particular piece. The rest of the book, <laughs> however, I have reams and reams and reams. And um, the research can kind of take over because, you know, for a fantasy novel, I'm researching the geology of pitch lakes. I'm researching the um, history of, of engineering and physics. Um, and I'm not quite sure how that ends up happening, but you then have to take all that knowledge in and sort of compost it in your head so that what you put out at the other uh, side of the process isn't a lecture but a story. Um, so it, it, I think you have to get to where you know it well enough that you can then make story from it and that's the, the part that takes time. So, so then you do your research and, and then let it kind of settle in your mind and, and, and then the story comes from the research after the research is kind of, I guess, gestated for a while. Ideally, what, but really what happens is I'm doing research up until I have to let the last draft go. <laughs> I mean, I remember with the very last novel, with the very absolute last day I had that I could, you know, before I could turn, had to turn it in for the last time, ended up needing to know just how many people fit into the hold of a, your average slave ship. So there I was on the internet, you know, trying to figure that out and uh, weeping like a baby, um, just because it brings it home because these people were my ancestors here crammed into these ships but I needed that it was it was for one line in a story that's a novel long but um, no you don't always compost it sometimes you just kind of throw it at the story and hope that it sticks right (laughs) now now you've got three novels in progress right now yeah I've uh, had a long hard couple of years where I didn't realize it but I was too anemic to think um, and got very close to collapse before anybody figured it out, and I just couldn't write. And so I've missed three deadlines. Or No, I haven't quite. There's, there's one that's due tomorrow um, that I'm about a quarter of the way through the first draft of. So I've ended up with uh, three novels due. I am on the mend. Um, I'm also on the road for the next 16 months or so. Um, and uh, it's actually more peaceful this way, writing this way, because uh, my creditors can't find me. Because when you can't work, you can't <laughs> you're not earning anything. So I'm clambering back out of that mess of having been ill and not realizing it, and deadlines going by and deadlines going by, and finding I can write again. Um, and uh, 
working on three novels at once. Uh, well, uh, are they? It must be interesting to work on three novels at once. You're living in three different worlds, aren't you? Yes, very much. Uh, and you find yourself thinking, "Oh, this would be really cool for no wrong story." <laughs> Let them bleed over. Um, but your brain switches. I mean, immediately you open that file, and you're in a. They're all in very different worlds. One is modern day Toronto. One is. Uh, an alternate version of an 18th century Caribbean and one I actually am blanking on right now. <laughs> but I think, it, yes, 19th century Toronto. So they're very, very different. The characters are all very different. One's a teenager, one's, um, one's a, um, an 18th century professor. One's, you know, so as the minute you're in that world, if you set yourself very strongly in the geography and the history of that world and the way the characters speak, they all speak very differently. Uh, I mean, a 21st century teenager speaks very differently than an 18th century, you know, engineer. Um, then you just flip in and out of them. It's not that easy. Yet. Some days I'll just go days without looking at one and concentrating on another. But it's got to be done, so I'm doing my best. <laughs> I've been speaking with Nalo Hopkinson. Thank you for joining me, Nalo. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.